Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play team. This actual play uses the 5th edition Vampire the Masquerade tabletop role-playing rules by World of Darkness. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. Listeners should know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience and will include strong language and mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and so forth, that may bear resemblance to entities living, dead, or undead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Rena Henze, and for tonight's game, I will be your storyteller. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Old Ways Podcast, Vampire the Masquerade Chronicle, Shirts of San Francisco. I am your storyteller, Storyteller Rena, and tonight we are continuing our look into the barony of San Francisco after a particularly shitty situation in the last episode. As always, I'd like to thank our backers and our listeners especially those of you who support us via the Patreon. We appreciate all of the support you give us. We truly could not do this without you. If you would like to join our Patreon and see all the other delightful treats all of our cast from all three shows have for you, then you can do so at patreon.com slash podcast. So before we get into tonight's adventures, let's have some introductions to my right. Yeah, hi, this is Mike. I play Marcus Voss of Clan Bruja. And... Since we no longer have our resident Tremere, who is now resident of a concrete floor under a pool table somewhere, next we have... Hi, this is Ali, and I play Katerina Bogdanovich, and... At the end of the table. Hello, hello, my name is Bridget Jeffries, and I am playing Monica West of Clan Salubri. And last but not least... This is Tiffany, and I play Alex Giovanni. So we raise the curtain tonight on the 15th, continuing our adventures there. So, Monica, you've got a text alert on your phone. So I would say one thing with her new phone, she probably has custom ringtones for people that are like high priority for her. And Marcus would be one of them. So wherever she was on the field, whether she was pitching or she was batting, uh, when she heard that on her phone, she was like, hey, sorry, sorry, sorry. I have to go take this. And she'll she'll put the, the, the baseball bat down and just kind of skirt over to her backpack. Olive raises an eyebrow um, as you drop the bat. And she says, oh, I'll still be here. And she throws the ball up in the air. It goes up super high and she catches it in her other hand. And she starts starts doing tricks like just throwing it uh, around adding in another baseball like she's juggling one i'm not impressed Two, keep your judgment on that side of the field please and she's throwing her a smile as she's pulling that phone out of her backpack olive just laughs and says oh you really think i'm trying to impress you you really think everything's about you huh she winks and adds another ball to what she's juggling so you pull out your phone and you just see a text from marcus saying that he wants to meet with you later because he has something to discuss with you. Okay, so she will uh, read that and her brow kind of furrows for a moment and just the illumination on that phone and she will quickly respond, um, okay, see you at 1 a.m. And then while she's at her phone, she is going to send two very quick messages. Uh, One, she's going to send a text message to Chase, 
that she probably works on a little bit longer than she should. Like if the, the I don't have an iPhone, but I'm assuming on your guys' phones, you see the dot, 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 the type bubbles. Us Android people don't have that. So she's probably an Android fan too. So it takes her much longer to write this message than it does. But it's something to the effect of like, hey, so nope, 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 nope. Hey, Chase, maybe, nope, no, 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 no. And then finally, she's going to come with a message that's something to the effect of, I don't know if contact crazy is a thing, but I think the Malkavian got to me. I'm really sorry. That was unfair for me to ambush you like that. Could we start again when you get home tonight? And then some cute, like embarrassed and grimace face emojis. After she sends that, she's going to send a text message to his realtor, Miss Eastman, and say, hey, it's time to move Makai Gardens into one of the following zip codes. And she's going to list off all the zip codes in Baron Voss's district. If you can get this done in the next 45 days, I'll take your commission to 15%. Love you. Bye. Hey, you immediately, even though it's late at night, get a double thumbs up response. It's hard not to reflect and remember the exhilaration that she felt last night with one being back to work, two being around people and three having a purpose. Uh, she got mm-hmm. kicked out of her life, but that doesn't mean that she can't bring her life with her. So uh, she probably overgassed it with Chase. That's one thing she'll reconcile at another time. But as far as her business practices, that's something that's actually still within her ownership. She just didn't realize it until last night. You get the response from Louisa and she's very good. And with her also you know, being being a ghoul, she knows more or less what to do in these kinds of situations. It's not like you're going to have to explain a whole lot to her, which makes things a lot easier. So, you know, that tomorrow she'll probably start working on that with you. And meanwhile, you get a, a text message coming in from Chase that just says, contact crazy sounds like a D&D spell. She'll OXOX them and then put the phone down. Oh, before she puts the phone down, she is going to set an alarm for an hour prior to she's supposed to meet Marcus. Okay, show off. I've got 45 minutes. Let's go. And Olive throws one of the balls up in the air and she keeps juggling the others as the as the ball goes up and then it comes down and she just integrates it back into the routine. Says, are you? Oh God, you were an only child, weren't you? And she's going to go and straddle the mound. Olive smiles and you can just see a little glint of something in her eyes. And after you hit that ball, she actually pulls out a card, writes a number on it. Nothing else, just a number goes over and sticks it in your pocket says just in case you forget so if fingers are slipping into her pocket she's going to clap her hand on the other side of olive's hand just kind of like hold it against her hip for a minute she says oh don't worry i won't forget promise and you can catch a scent of something earthy around olive as as you hold on to her hand and her eyes glint and she says oh this will be the most fun i've had in 50 years and she laughs and goes back to the, goes back to pitching, but not before she lightly taps you on the cheek. Let's uh, switch over to Alex for a bit. So, Alex, you had your meeting with William earlier this evening, mm-hmm. and it's been a bit of a chaotic night. And you're also still not feeling emotionally yourself. What with everything happening with Vince. And trying to figure out wh- where Mina is and what's going on with her and trying to find her another fetter and everything. So you you get home and you find a letter waiting for you. Okay. 
in very neat script, very archaic looking handwriting on the outside of the envelope. <sighs> okay, I'll open it. You already know from the handwriting who this is, and you open it up to find, indeed, a letter from Grandmother inside, and it says, uh, Dear Mix Giovanni, I have learned from Baron Voss this evening that uh, one Vincent Markovich has been taken care of. I would like you to confirm whether or not this is actually the case. I'm sure you can figure this out, but I don't know, Baron Voss, and I would prefer not to just take his word at face value. Also, I would like to have a few words with you in person, if you don't mind. I will be home tomorrow evening. I'm, I'm glad I didn't burn that bridge. Okay, I hope. <laughs> um... All right, well, then I will prepare to uh, meet up with grandmother tomorrow. As for the rest of tonight, since I left Elysium and Rom scurried off to wherever Rom scurried off to, I am going to send uh, Marcus a text and ask him if he is available for an important meeting. So, Marcus, as you and Katarina are chatting with Ray Ray and Raul and Raul's asking you some questions about uh, union organization and how to how to best manage a strike. Uh, you get an incoming text alert on your phone from Alex. Hmm. I, I peek at it and then see if I can roll over message and see what it is. Get the idea that they want to meet tonight. Yeah, just basically it says, that, hey, do you have uh, are you available for an important meeting? Um, I'll text back, have time a little later. Uh, let me know. I think I'm going to go to, I'm going to spend some time at Mina's new place. You go to what is now Mina's apartment, since Vince will no longer be residing there. Mina has not made her presence known at all since she flickered out at what you assume is the moment Vince got staked. Mm -hmm. And feels cold in the apartment. Well, I will make sure her book is, you know, somewhere safe. It's clean. It's, you know, like I'll even put it on a display stand and whatever. It's what I know I have right now. So you call Eddie and Luz uh, separately and you get several different pieces of information between the two of them. You hear from Eddie that there was a... Mina Markovich, who arrived in San Francisco in 1898. And that there's no death record for her. And he can't figure out if she left or if something happened maybe in one of the earthquakes or the fires, if, if something happened and it just wasn't recorded. But that she did bring with her her adult daughter the record, the immigration record that you have for them coming from Bulgaria is a Katarina Markovich who changed her name when she emigrated to Catherine and she was 21 when they arrived and that Catherine worked as a secretary for one of the bankers and then that's the last Eddie can find of her. Luz, on the other hand, finds a bit more information 
they write to you that they found something on a Kate Markovich in 1943, and they note can't possibly be the same one maybe a daughter and they text you a picture of this Kate Markovich so now you have a picture where was the location in 1943 the last location that they found which was in 1943 was in Oakland there was a Kate Markovich who was the heads of one of the the wartime committees putting things together for the troops raising funds, victory gardens, all that sort of thing. But you now have some further information. You also have a picture, which makes things a little bit easier now because you had no idea what Kate looked like before. Definitely. Um, In the picture, is she wearing anything subtle to show that she might be Tremere or not? It's it's like a chest up kind of profile picture. Right. And uh, she's got very long hair. You know, if she'd been embraced in the late 1800s, she would have, Mm -hmm. right? And uh, it's pinned up in victory curls. And she's got uh, a choker around her neck, this sort of black ribbon. Mm -hmm. And there's a pendant on it, but you can't quite see because she's turned to the side. You can't quite see what's on it. Okay. Dang it. Well, I got a picture I can ask grandmother too. So, well, that's something then at least. And uh, yeah, I'll just uh, kick up my feet and, you know, wait for other people to get a hold of me tonight, I'm sure. You, you get lots of things from informants all around. So you handle your business while you're waiting to hear from Marcus or anyone else who might wish to get a hold of you. So back at the bar, the small talk is starting to get a little uncomfortable now because you're running out of things that you can talk about between the four of you what with the differences in your lives and unlives and eventually there's just a bit of a pause and you hear a very very loud scheiße from across the room as a German trips over a chair and drops his large side of beer and the glass shatters on the floor and the poor waitress just goes not again. And wearily trudges over to clean it up. Ray Ray looks at you, Katarina, just says, Well, this was nice. It is always good to see you. I must admit, I'm still a little surprised at you having a social life. Uh, it is very limited. Do not get me wrong. It is very limited. He just sort of sighs and he, he looks a little tired now. You know, he's still got that air of tiredness from everything that happened with Dima. And, you know, he's still having bad dreams. Whatever Rom was able to do couldn't completely take it away. And he just shakes his head and says, Getting old, I suppose. Can't quite stay out as long as I used to. And Raoul just flicks his hand and says, Fifty's not old. Quite the handsome silver fox. And he wiggles his eyebrows. And Ray Ray just says, well, this silver fox is tired. <laughs> and I'm sure that you, bro, keep him invigorated enough, yeah? Oh, yes. We get plenty of exercise at home. Gotta keep up that cardio. And he just settles his hand over Ray Ray's. And you see Ray Ray relax a little bit. Like You've never seen Ray Ray this way with another person, right? 
he was always a bit of a love them and leave them sort of person. The few times you met partners, they didn't last more than a few months. This one's he's actually relaxing into, and he seems very comfortable with Ral in a way you haven't seen before. Well, I suppose we should be going. I've got to get up early, and I've got new hires coming in to work at the bakery. Not that you want to hear about that, I suppose, but... uh, You can always tell me. I just won't be coming back. I know. He looks over at you, Marcus, and says, Never thought a boy would steal Katerina away from the bakery. Oh, a boy didn't. Mm. A man did. (laughs) Ray Ray laughs and says, I like you. Just make sure she gets out more. I get out plenty. Out of bed and out socially are not the same thing. I sort of put my hands up in a, a not a defensive gesture, just sort of raise them up a little bit and say, uh, Katerina has more than enough social engagements, should she desire. She's, um, I'm still figuring some things out, I assume, with all of the multitude of opportunities that she has San Francisco offers. I just worry, you know, and it's hard to keep up with you. I mean, at least you have a phone now, even if it takes you 20 minutes to write a five-word text. I suppose next thing we'll be getting you on MySpace. Raul laughs and uh, says, come on, Grandpa, and he pulls on Ray Ray's hand and Ray Ray snorts at him and says, I told you to stop calling me that in public. (laughs) Yeah, and before they get too far, I'm obviously only temporarily abandoning Marcus to go and hug Ray Ray. He's the only person that, like, really I would ever have any kind of significant physical affection for in a obviously not sexual way. So you give Ray Ray a hug and he returns it and he kisses you on the forehead lightly and just says, I'm glad you're happy. One has to try, yeah? Indeed. I'm glad you figured that out. So just be careful. You might end up getting smile lines on that unlined face of yours. Can't have that now, can we? Never. As he turns, I'll uh, smack his ass, because I do that occasionally to chase him out of the bar. And Raoul laughs and says, ah, 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 and slaps him on the other side of the ass, says, there, now we're equal. And they both go out. Gotta be even. And you hear them laughing as they go out to their car. Well, that was interesting. In a good way or a bad way? Oh, in a good way. I'd never gotten a chance to meet Ray Ray. Not formally, anyway. Now that the the party and post-party are done. Yes, and I saw your uh, attention wandered a bit. Do we have other business to attend to? We do. Okay. The city never sleeps. Not really. So as you leave Charlie's, uh, Marcus, you hear the flutter of wings and a pigeon lands on your shoulder. Hmm. Edgar, Edgar. He just sort of nibbles your ear a little bit. Hello, Edgar. I announced to the pigeon. He coos and he scratches lightly at the side of your neck and you see there's a bit of paper oh, yeah. tied to his leg. I take it off his leg. Shit's going down. Uh, I'll write on the back of it where and when and then tie it to his foot. Edgar coos again and just sort of nuzzles the side of your head and then flaps off. Yeah, that's not strange at all. Nope, not one bit. So, Katarina, you just see this pigeon land on Marcus's shoulder, nuzzle him, take a piece of paper, and then fly off. This pigeon and I had a deeply affectionate moment while we're going to the car. Should I ask? Probably. But 
Not right now. I'm just going to shut my mouth and get in the car because I'm so confused about what just happened. I head back to uh, the Haven. So you uh, head back to the Haven and uh, Monica, you've finished your practice with Olive and Olive has given you her number and she, when you say that you need to go, she just sort of smiles and says, see you another time then. And she disappears off into the trees before you can say anything else. Fucking kindred. They're so goddamn annoying and she's going to pick up her stuff and head to the car. You do notice that there are three or four pigeons sitting on your car. They flutter away as you get in. That means nothing to her. Other than pigeons on a car. So she just, Mm -hmm. you know, shoes them away. She'll hop in the car and she'll head off. So you head off towards your meeting with Marcus, which, you know, you know where the Haven is. You know how to get there. It's fairly easy. So you, you get there and you see Esmeralda waiting. She's just got her arms crossed. She's still got that kind of cold military glint in her eye that she always has. She's pacing. Says, oh, you're on time. Thought you'd be late again. Arguably, I was on. Hi, Esmeralda. How are you this evening? She looks a bit nonplussed, like no one ever asks her how she's doing. (laughs) Fine. Quiet night. Too quiet. Don't like it. Boss is inside. Okay, I'll head in. Um, hey, I don't know if the angry stoicism vibe thing is actually you or whether that's a mask, but either way, it actually looks really good on you. It was terrifying at first, but now that I realize you're not actually going to hurt me, it actually looks good on you. That was supposed to be a compliment. Sorry, that came out really weird. Not yet. And she just stares at you. I want to be scared. I want to be scared, but I know you're not going to hurt me. I know you're not going to hurt me. I know you're not going to hurt me. I'm just going to go inside you're just sort of growling she's very irascible at any time of night Uh, Esmeralda unlocks a couple sets of doors for you and you just hear her muttering something to herself in what sounds like Spanish but you're not quite sure as she lets you in and she says I'll be outside try not to miss me too much and she goes back outside and you just hear her muttering at 90 words per second, essentially, in Spanish. Sounds like a bunch of curse words. Marcus, are you with Katarina for this meeting, or are you taking this meeting by yourself? Nope, no reason to take this meeting by myself. Monica, you go into the open space, the meeting area where you've met with Marcus before, and you see Jean off to the side doing some paperwork. She looks very calm as she's doing paperwork. Like, she's very relaxed, She's smiling as she's filling out forms and reaching for folders and checking numbers and then putting everything back in a nice, neat, orderly place. She just seems to be in perfect, perfect harmony with the job that she's doing. She doesn't even look up as you come in. Monica is not going to interrupt that. You don't interrupt somebody in their Zen moment, honey. So Marcus and Katerina, you are freshly back just a few minutes from your date night out and you have your first meeting of this part of the evening. Hi, Monica. Good evening, Baron. Miss Bogdanovich. Esmeralda is best at night out hunting, out patrolling, putting her in a stationary position too long makes her fret. She's uh, as fiery of a bruja as I've ever met. She is a tiger in a cage. So 
we have a matter that we need to discuss. It was mentioned flippantly, and so I apologize for mentioning it so during um, the meeting we had. The Really, the introduction we had with you and Chase here. Um, so let me apologize for that first. It should not have been mentioned so flippantly. We need to s- discuss something very important to the future of San Francisco, and that is one person in particular, and it's not William Mallet. It's Phoebe Benes, the whip of the Tremere, and an unrepentant, if not hidden, Nazi. Would you care to sit down? Yes, please. Which is a much different contrast from the first time when she was literally too nervous to sit down in front of you. So, the issue with Ness is not just her, it's the people that she surrounds herself with and the people she controls. With uh, some of the digging I've been able to do, there's quite a bit of an issue within the police force here. Not just the normal sort of ultra-white wing, ultra-white issues when it comes to the police force in general, which is true almost all over the place. Um, For way too long, the police in major metropolitan areas and those beyond that have used the excuse of being white and having a badge as being judge, jury, and executioner. It's happening here in the city. It happens all over the state of California. It happens here within the Territ. Uh, We are trying, um, through some union measures, to mitigate some of that. To actually deal with and help prosecute bad police officers. But there's an element here within the department that we've had a serious issue rooting out. And it's an it's a force, it's a portion of that force that we know that the local Calmarilla still uses to their own advantage. And so we have to come up with an operational plan on how to identify those members and then determine how we're going to deal with them in the future moving forward. We can't have them police this space because we don't want that sort of attitude here. And for the greater safety of San Francisco at large, I don't want them anywhere near uh, being a sworn officer. Law enforcement, law enforcement in general could be taken a lot of ways, right? There's a lot of views out here in California that are antithetical to the entire idea of law enforcement. I don't necessarily know that San Francisco is willing to be a non-police city, as was tried in some of the districts in Minnesota and some of the places on the West Coast. I don't think the city's necessarily ready for that, and I don't want to push it to that end yet. I want to root out the problem officers, and I don't want them hiding behind the fact that they're part of a police union to survive. Because I don't like the idea of any union being weaponized against the people which is exactly what's happening. And so we need to find out who they are and where they live and extend our contacts. And this is really something that all of the upper portions, Gene included, will assist with. We have to look past William Mallet because he's only going to be around for so long. I see the problem. I recognize it. But my, my sincerest apologies, what exactly is your solution? Right now, you're... We're not solving yet, Monica. We're information gathering so we can solve. And how are you looking to mobilize me? Well, uh, you're an EMT, at least after fashion, yes? Mm-hmm. And you have connections within, I would imagine, several of the hospitals around the city, yes? Yes. So you have eyes and ears in places where police officers go. 
especially when they're bringing in patients, especially when they're bringing in kids or people they've beaten the shit out of and dumped on the emergency room doors of hospitals, right? I mean, let's call it what it is. A lot of these police officers are basically a brute squad. And they go and do as they like. And they leave that trouble at hospitals. Those are just the nibbles of information that we need. I have people. I have scouts. Avenues. That we could work on. But those little bits of the breadcrumb trail we need to find starters at. And that's why it's not just a you thing. It's a multi-pronged information gathering. It's the same thing that I'll talk to a, a bunch of kindred about. Because I think it's an everybody problem. I know that you said that we're in, you're in a reconnaissance information gathering state, but I can't help but to project forward. You're effectively asking me to use my access to headhunt bad cops for you. So then you can, again, do what? Determine what will happen with, with their careers here in the San Francisco area. I hold up a hand. Monica, we're not killing anyone, if that's what your concern is. That's really what I'm worried about, Marcus. Thank you so much for saying something, because I was going to ask, but I was like, this is a tense moment. I didn't know whether that was my moment. This isn't some sort of brutal dictatorship. What we're trying to do, what we're trying to do is we're trying to keep the kind from getting killed by officers and watching those same officers hide behind a badge and say, my union's going to keep my job. All these bastards have to do is do wrong in one municipality and they drive up the road 20 minutes to a smaller town in Northern California and they get another desk job. They just keep rolling. We have to put an end to that. The only way we do is by finding out who they are. And as far as their union bosses, as far as their stewards, leave that to me. I will go after them in very particular ways, soft ways, legal ways. So we're identifying bully cops and you're attempting to reestablish or evacuate Camarilla-led police officers from your area are the two primary goals. I just want to make sure I'm understanding with crystal clarity here. Yeah, those are basically the goals. It does another op- it does it gives us another opportunity to well, to to take another hammer out of the hand of the local Camarilla. They don't have a police force they can mobilize potentially against the well, the space here, the barony then they're a lot less powerful. She's going to look over to Katarina. What is Katarina's vibe, body language, facial expression giving, if anything? Currently, I'm standing up against a wall. I'm not sitting down for this conversation. Um, Even though I knew this conversation was going to be coming, I'm slightly distracted because, you know, at the mention of Phoebe Van Ness, technically, if I were still in Camarilla territory, I would owe a Nazi a favor. So there's also, like, depending on how often Monica has, like, been looking <laughs> over at me, there's, you know, like, some general tension. And then there's some, like, actual visible relief because I don't have to keep that favor. I'm not in that territory anymore. And I know that if I set foot back in that territory, I'm just going to get killed. So either way, that's not a favor I have to repay. But when it comes to rooting out the police and watching that exchange I'm very focused on essentially the two of you with a poker face because I want to see where exactly you think this conversation is going you know if you look over me at 
if you look over at me directly, it's very much a matter of we are trying to establish safe territory and we cannot do so while also breaking the masquerade. It benefits no one. So if we go killing indiscriminately the people that we wish to be rid of, it brings too much attention and would only make what we are trying to accomplish that much harder. Okay. I understand. Follow-up questions? Sure. How does this resolve the Phoebe Van Ness situation? It takes power away from her. She won't have as many roads leading into the territory, which means she doesn't have as many eyes and ears and that is important. Okay, so I know I had the whole thing about headhunting humans and I was uncomfortable with that, but like, let's just cycle back. Why isn't killing her on the table? I didn't say it wasn't. Okay, so can we address that? Is that a thing that we can discuss now? If, As far as I'm concerned, if Miss Van Ness appears in the territory, the I kind of pause and I look down at the table for a second and then I look... I look you dead in the eyes and I say, as far as I'm concerned, she's not leaving. I don't have any space or gap for Nazis or former Nazis for that matter, or people that get cover to Nazis. Let's just put it this way. I helped ship a ton of people to Germany to fight them. I made a whole lot of rounds so that our boys could put them down. And I'll be damned if I let any of them live when I find them. Fuck fascists. Her first. Okay. Last question, at least for the moment. I'll overthink this when I get home, I'm sure. But um, agreeing to assist uh, in this investigation, is that is our welcome contingent on my compliance to do so? No. No, the welcome ad is something I very rarely pull out from under someone. When do you need to have an answer by? Well, I mean, hopefully sooner rather than later. The longer she's allowed to fester in the city, the more powerful she gets. The longer the force is allowed to exist as it is, as an extension of the current vampiric presence on the Camarilla side, the more likely it is they will eventually make a foray into the territory with them. And as we all know, at least... Well, maybe most of us know. Miss Van Ness isn't calm or unwilling to make her own points personally, right? No, I'm very aware of that fact. This is a problem I'd like to solve. Okay. I'll talk to Chase and I'll have an answer for you by tomorrow. Oh, I don't know if I need to ask your permission, but I wanted to buy some real estate in your barony. Is that a thing where I have to like put in a written request or is that just something I can orally do with you here? Um, no, requests like that generally can be done face to face like this. Um, I don't require any written sort of paperwork. As far as buying property, I suppose I would just ask, is the property going to be used for kindred or kind matters? Well, I'll be relocating one of my businesses um, into the territory and it services both. Interesting. What business? Uh, Mackay Gardens. It is a... Well, it's a nursery, more like a botanical garden, arguably, but it opens us up as a venue. Uh, Katerina has actually catered for several different events that were hosted there. Okay. I look at Katerina. It's true. It's been almost two years since uh, you had me as hostess, though. About so, yes. 
I don't see any problem with it. The three rules still remain. The masquerade stays in place. We don't do any sort of open fighting, um, at least non-sanctioned. And of course, any any um, potential services that the kind might provide should be union assistance, if at all possible. Understood. And Jean pipes up from the other side of the room. And I need copies of all paperwork in triplicate as soon as possible. Thank you very much. She mouths and does air quotations in triplicates. She didn't say it out loud, but she's playfully teasing about that. Just in case there's any problems, it means we can handle them centrally. And legally. And I don't have to go hunting you down. Yes, legally. And I don't have to go hunting you down for paperwork that you should have filed a week ago. Okay, so I I stand up from the table and then I I go to walk Monica out. Yeah, she'll slide out of the chair. Uh, Miss Bogdanovich, it was a pleasure to see you again. And you as well. Marcus, I'll be back in touch tomorrow. Good. I look forward to hearing from you. So I'll, I'll walk her out and then I'll sort of do a, a spin on a heel and go back towards the table where Katerina is and say, I'm going to go take a walk in the park. I'll be back after that. Understood. Um, again, I spin a bit and grab my coat and then I text Alex and let them know that they can meet me in Cole Park. So Alex, while this has been going on, you've been receiving bits and pieces of information from your birds all around uh, vampire birds, not pigeons all around San Francisco. Uh, you, you've gotten a few tidbits. Uh, there was a fight that almost broke out in Elysium this evening after you left between a Toreador and a Tremere. Your informant isn't quite sure what, w- what the incident was or what it was triggered by, but Sebastian had to literally throw both of them out before they actually got into a fight in, uh, in inside Elysium, essentially. Uh, and that hasn't happened in a very long time, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So you probably want to keep tabs on that in, in the future. But then you get a very interesting message. Something's going down at the Opticon offices. Oh? There's a long sort of wait, about five minutes before you get a response to that. Not sure. Everyone's been evacuated from the building. There's another pause. Smells terrible. Like, I'm going to put like, like dead body terrible. Shit. (laughs) You get a call on that, on the phone from that same informant. Um, Mm -hmm. And... They're saying in a very hushed voice, like, didn't want any written record of this, but Mallet just walked out of the building covered in shit. <laughs> Can you get a picture? Get a picture, please. I don't want him to dominate me and make me cut off my own head or something. Be sneaky. I'll, I'll try, but I can't promise anything. But it's hilarious. If you can be sneaky, do it. I'll do my best. But also, I don't want him to know that I know because, oh, God, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. Oh, no. I got to go. And they hang up the phone. Oh, man, I hope I get a picture. But before you can check to see if you get a picture, you get a message from Marcus saying that he's available to meet you in the park. Then uh, collect my things. Um, 
open the door, let in any cats that come in, and um, yeah, get headed to the park. Okay, so I'm going to have you make a roll to see if you get a picture or not, if you've convinced your <laughs> your bird to try and take a picture of William Mallet, because uh, he's terrified of William. Right. So uh, I want you to give me manipulation plus persuasion. And your target difficulty is five because it's taking a picture of William Mallet who can dominate you with <laughs> dominate non-super powerful vampires very easily. Uh, success? I got four out of five? Yeah, you need, you need five successes. So you could spend a willpower point and re-roll your three failures <laughs> if you would like to. Sure. Nice. Okay, so you ended up with actually seven successes there with that exploding 10. So as you're heading out, you're not, you know, you got the message from Marcus. You're not sure if your informant is actually going to overcome their fear of William uh, versus their fear of you. Uh, But Mm -hmm. you are heading out the door, putting on your overcoat, your hat, and you get another text alert and you see there there's somewhat blurry photo because there's all of these bright lights you see there's a fire engine in the background and so on but you get a profile shot of mallet nice i do love good blackmail and you head out to the park so marcus you get to the park you have a few minutes before alex arrives partially because you're closer to it than they are and also because alex paused a minute to laugh over the photo that they got uh you get a another coo in your ear as you arrive and Edgar is perched on a branch looking down at you. Hello, Edgar. And Edgar drops a larger roll of paper this time. Uh, It just says brutality case, not a problem. I smile. Um, I will flip it over and write on the back. Thank you. There's more work to be done. And then roll it back up and have Edgar take it from me. Edgar swoops down and clutches it and heads off, followed by three or four other pigeons who are sitting under a bench. I probably stop and think about all the times that I was out doing something and I never paid attention to the birds. You never know when they're watching you. So, Alex, you arrive at the park Ajax drops you off and goes to park more discreetly down the street. You see a few glimpses of movement through the trees. You know some of the gangrel have taken up residence in this particular park. And you hear multiple sounds of things that sound like cats, dogs, various other animals. And there's a lot of pigeons in the park this evening, more than you've noticed before. But, you know, they're just pigeons. And you see Marcus in a clearing waiting for you in his nice leather jacket. I'll uh, walk up. We don't have to um, be all, you know, CIA about this anymore. We took care of that. You took care of William Mallet? Well, no. I mean, I made it so that we're supposed to talk. We're supposed to make friends again. Oh, are we? Yeah. Are we going to be friends? I don't know. Are we? I suppose we'll have to find out. Well, perhaps this is a first olive branch after our 
how much of your business I've ruined in the past. Do you want to ask? Do you do you want to know what favor I asked for for him, for me to talk to you again? Sure. I asked for Phoebe. You asked for her. Well, for her to not be. Is he delivered? Not yet. Well, <laughs> seems he had a complication at his office tonight. So. For some of us, it's a very shitty night. Yeah, seems to be, with photo evidence. I let my eyes just sort of glaze over for just a half moment. Well, that sounds like something that everyone would want to see. It does sound like something everyone would want to see. But they may have to wait for a better opportunity. I'm assuming that the old lion is roaring mad at this point. Oh, I'm sure. Considering how testy he got just when Luther and I messed up his assistant's office. He was quite cross. Well, he uh, he knows his people, and so he's obviously looking to protect the people that are close to him because they help him move. No, no machine moves on its own. Right. And I think that that's the angle we need to go for. The ones that are easier. I remember that French woman. She seemed very um, particular. Mm-hmm. Oh, she is. I mean, then true, am I right? Well, likely, I would imagine. But she's not the only one, right? He has a, a right-hand person that does all of his um, more physical activities, I believe. Yeah, that's not that's not my uh, area of expertise. I wouldn't think so, no. But finding out more about them might be, especially if we're talking about toppling a sandcastle and we're taking out foundational pieces, we need to know who they are and what they can do. I have another angle potentially on, well, on some of what Venice has been doing, sort of how she's been utilizing some of her influence in the city. Yeah, I just wanted to let you know that we are free to meet and speak and uh, figure out what information is going where. I have a weekly coffee date as it were. Oh, well, as long as we, as long as you and I are still aligned on the main goal, then I won't concern myself too much with it. I mean, clearly I'll work to feed you the things that he needs to eat. Well, and things I need to know. Cause I don't get much out of here. I'm not saying to share, but like things I need to know. What would you like to know? What do I need to know? The other thing was, where is Vince? Is he gone, gone? No. Why? Well, Mina disappeared, and somebody is asking. Who's asking? Somebody I do not want to cross. Well, that list is pretty long. Okay, somebody I... That would be detrimental to me to cross. (laughs) Okay, fair enough. Um, Vince is alive. I wouldn't just kill him. He's tired. Vince was very tired. And so now he's napping. And you can guarantee his safety? I have. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that Vince did so much for the kindred of the city that he lost so much of himself. Did anyone try and help him? We gave him a place to stay. Twice. During the interim. Cover between... Uh, His changing predilections, 
his tastes. When he was, when he began stealing blood through people's windows, I drew a line. There's no way to protect him when he's like that. And he couldn't step foot out of the territory without worrying about somebody popping his head right off. Lord knows the local Chantry probably has his blood. And if they don't, for whatever reason, if they don't, and then I stopped for a second. Vince was never properly prepared. His sire kept him in that house. Do we know that for sure? He was never presented at the Tremere. Which means they don't have his blood. Which is why Grandmother is asking for it. She's asking for his blood? She asked me in a written letter. I attempted to assuage the Van Ness issue by enlightening Grandmother that her... One of her very own Tremere was likely goose-stepping along here in San Francisco. <clears throat> and I told her that I would deal with Vince, provided she was willing to deal with her problem. She doesn't believe me. She asked where he was because she would like to have some of his blood. That's not happening. And the reason she's asking for it is because Vince was never a properly prepared Tremere as far as the clan is concerned, which means they don't have his blood. How did she get away with that for so long? Likely because no one knew about Vince for a very long time. He was probably kept up in that house for God knows how long. And he wasn't really a Tremere very long, right? A few months? I thought he said a couple of years, but... A couple months, a couple of years, well, whatever the case, but... He wasn't a Tremere very long. He didn't know most of his clanmates. That's true. I did think that was odd. It is odd. And it also makes a ton of sense why she'd want his blood. Because she doesn't want Tremere blood floating around out there. Because, of course, she's loyal, loyal to the clan. Vince is safe. He's not going anywhere. And no one's getting his blood. I would agree with that. Besides, that's leverage. <laughs> we don't just give that out. If she doesn't believe me, she doesn't believe me. That's her choice. I don't think Grandma is planning on stopping down to see me or anything. I would think she's too busy, but you never know. I don't think she would. I think she'd play the same game we are. Yeah, it's a game that works. I'll let Monica know about the Ness issue. I don't know that you're aware, but Miss um, Van Ness decided to uh, make Monica a little uncomfortable directly. Yeah, can I tell you, William does not care. About what? her and what she does what she did that's that's what do you say that that's that's oh the human issues or the human i don't even know some bullshit like that isn't going to affect the kindred because if you have those beliefs as kind and you bring them over then doesn't that instead of it being a race issue end up becoming a clan issue and for a Tremere? Like, how, how... Why Why did he make me feel like the crazy person? Like, he can't see you past... Unless it's working to his advantage. Precisely. He wants you to believe that it's okay. Likely because he has other investitures or avenues in his current or past. And re remember, taking care of Vanessa for him could simply be him leveraging her within the Camarilla and saying, okay, you got to leave for a few months so I can make nice here with the Hakata and I can get this place cleaned up. Oh, she she's not allowed to leave. What do you mean she's not allowed to leave? That was not the deal we made. William and I made deal for death. Oh, is he going to prove it to you? 
Uh, I asked him to. You can't just say it and... I mean, he'll probably try and play it off for a while. He's gonna, he's gonna stall. Just he's a he's a venture can say whatever he wants. Right. They have for literally a millennia. That's right, and that's why the information he'll get is gonna be real small until it's a dangerous game you're playing. Always is. So, we're working on a couple of things just locally here. We're we're looking into um, we're looking to expand a little bit into certain areas. Uh, mostly the public parks, including Golden Gate Park. So if you want to let him know that we're trying to make nicey-nice with the uh, Okungangor by gobbling up more park territory, feel free. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, and if we are um, making nice with the Oakland Gangrel, I need to get a, see if uh, we can locate someone in Oakland. Kate Markovich or Catherine or Katerina... She hasn't been seen since 1943. Are you going after Markovich? You mean like Vince's family? Yeah, for Mina. I'd like to move her into Mina's apartment. I mean, <laughs> I mean, who knows what kind of person this is? I mean, I'm just... The next time you and I meet up, I'll um, bring you some of the things that I talked about on the boat. There are some things you might want to have a look at. Okay. Rom needs a Rom needs a meeting with Azamis. But I didn't talk to you. He wants to do it on his own. He has some things he wants, but I don't know any of them. Can't you keep your cultists in line? I smile. If he wants to be a big boy, let him be a big boy. I'm certain that I could arrange something. Um likely through Jane first. Jane is very open about what they do. As far as when it comes to kindred. Um, but if Rom wants to bark up the older elder dragon tree, that is something he will do on his own. Well, I think he just needs, I don't know what he needs done. He won't tell me because he wants to just not have to ask us for favors or help. Well, I mean, the fair point. Oh, no, I agree. I just, so if we can, uh, I don't know. Have him bump into Jane. I, I don't know. I don't know. I just I just want to do something small for him before I have to have a talk with him about Vince because he doesn't know. Yeah, I would have said something to him at the party, but it wasn't the right atmosphere. Agreed. Me too. But I, I would think that um, it'll probably be best coming from me because I don't want him to have a tantrum at you and you get upset. I mean, I don't get upset very often. No, but I don't know what your triggers are yet either. Hey, stand up. Call me with whatever you need, okay? Yeah. I don't know what I... I... Call me too when you find out, when you get anything confirmation-wise on Van S. Yeah, I just... I want her off the board and just like you do. That's that's a wild card you don't. Because when somebody's passionate about something, it ends up changing their entire view of everything and then leadership doesn't matter and yeah. It's... <laughs> no... If I have my if I have my way, William Mallet won't leave San Francisco either. At least not without being a big fat pile of ash. That was the plan from the start, right? Yeah. Plan hasn't changed. And so the San Francisco night draws to a close. All of our kindred return to their various havens and coffins and other sleeping paraphernalia. 
and go to take their well-earned rest. And now, the moon will rise on February 16th, a new night in San Francisco, and so I will need rouse checks from everyone. That's a 10. I'm fully aroused. I am also fully roused. (laughs) Uh, I succeeded. And Monica? Monica succeeded as well. Okay. So, Alex, you've woken up. You've gotten dressed for your activities this evening. So, with the, you did ask Eddie to send over the camera footage if he could get it. I will make a roll for Eddie to see what his skills managed to get. Okay. So, Eddie got three successes. So, with three successes on his skills here, because he does not have willpower to spend, you managed to get some fairly blurry camera footage from one of Uh, the security cameras from a bank that is just across. What you get from that footage as you're looking at it this evening after you first wake up, um, you get a blurry image of Sophie, who is William's assistant, and William and a bunch of other vampires coming out of the building looking very cranky. It's very blurry because it is at night and there are a lot of flashing lights because you see that there's fire engines coming in. There's some cop cars. You do catch an image of William speaking to someone getting out of a cop car. Their back is to you. You're not sure exactly who it is, but they are wearing a full uniform and they are a big person, whoever they are. And William immediately gets in a car and leaves. He does not stay, but... The footage you get shows hours and hours of work being done on this building. Whatever happened, it took down quite a bit of it. There is no work being done. You see no workers going in and out from this footage. Just uh, repair staff. All right. That is excellent. And then you catch in the newspaper from today just a note about one of the high-rise office buildings in the financial district being shut down for maintenance. And that's all it says. Someone pulled some strings somewhere. Not surprised. All right, then I will head off to uh, my meeting. Okay, so you get dressed up in your nice professional suit. And you have Ajax take you to Grandmother. Grandmother is still residing in Vera's home. Vera has not returned. You don't know if she ever will, based on her communication with you as her cousin. She's indicated that she intends to stay in Italy as long as she possibly can. And I don't blame her. Quite. And I will support her if I can. So you know that she is given permission for grandmother to stay in her now abandoned home for as long as grandmother chooses to stay in San Francisco. So Ajax opens the door to the car for you, to the Lincoln. You can get out. And make your way up to the house. It's quiet. It's about 7.30 p.m. And there's you know, some kids running and playing outside down the street. You hear some dogs barking. But it's a fairly quiet neighborhood, all things considered. And before you even have a chance to knock on the door, it opens. And you see Grandmother standing there, leaning on her cane, looking very imperious, as usual. I will uh, nod Hello. Uh, Thank you for coming. It's Giovanni. Please come in. We have much to discuss. She stands out of the way and lets you in. 
You can go sit in the parlor where you've sat several times before with Vera and now with Grandmother. She closes the door. She moves very accurately. She's been installed in this house for several months now. She knows every bit of it. So even without being able to see, she can make her way around without even bumping into the edge of a table. So she comes in, she sits down in this high-backed Victorian antique chair. She leans on her cane and says, Well, what do you have for me, my dear? As far as information on Vince? Yes. As I said, I have heard from, she wrinkles her nose, Baron Voss. Quaint titles they use these days. That the young man is no longer a problem. I'm sure you understand. I have quite a personal stake in the matter. Uh, yes. Uh, I do know that he... Something happened to him. Um, Mina is not herself. So, uh, I'm tracking down... I'm trying to track down Kate Markovich to help Mina. Yes, young Kate went rogue quite some time ago, almost 80 years now, if not more. That family, always troublemakers. Yeah, it seems like they uh, aren't uh, traditionalists. Well, considering that the same person sired most of them, can hardly be expected of them to be traditionalists now, can we? Lizzie. Yeah. She shakes her head. But you are certain that he is out of the picture. For a long time, if not forever, I don't know. That hasn't been made entirely clear. Hmm. I'd like you to give me a manipulation plus persuasion roll to see how much of this she takes at value. Uh, six. Okay. So, grandmother has nine. She's very hmm. old. <laughs> she has a lot of skills. Hmm. But she looks down her nose, and you get the feeling that those clouded eyes, which haven't seen for centuries, are are sort of piercing through you. And she says, I believe that you believe he's out of the picture, my dear, at least for now. But that is all that I believe at the moment. I don't think I will be calling off the hunt yet. And you can tell the Baron that. I will certainly tell Marcus that. Now, there is another matter. And perhaps you would know more than I. The Baron has informed me that there may be a... She wrinkles her nose again. A former SS member in the ranks of the Tremere in this city. Is that accurate? From everything I can tell, yes. My source at the time was very reliable. Where are they now? She leans back and you see in her body language, you can read from her body language. She's more perturbed by this than William was. She says, I'm not from here. I don't know the local Tremere as well as perhaps you would expect someone of my age, but I have been in Europe for quite some time. But knowing Phoebe, that is not entirely a shock. However, it does seem to be quite problematic. We will have to do something about it. Certainly can't remain as whip anymore. Well, and I think it has some serious implications. 
as far as your clan goes, because if she decides to clean your clan, like, what does that entail? She cocks her head slightly, and it looks almost like she hadn't considered that particular idea. Oh, my. I mean, we've seen a lot of fanatics in our day. I mean, you, uh, probably more than me, but... Yes, dear. Quite. As old as I am, there are things I have not forgotten. Many things I have not forgotten. And there are several things I will not tolerate. I will make sure she's no longer a problem. Even if I have to speak to William. Oh, he, uh, I asked him about her. He doesn't seem, he seems very flippant. He seemed like he didn't think it would carry over. Which, if you've had this long to sit with the fanaticism, I think it would make it worse. Well, my dear, keep in mind several things. One, William is much older than even I am. Two, he's a white man. And three, with his connections and his clan, he's able to hide away from a lot of it. It genuinely does not affect him in a lot of ways. Not just because of his status, not just because of his race and his gender, but he is able to hide away with all his money and his connections. She smiles a little indulgently. He's forgotten many things. It's surprising to see him out in the real world like this. Perhaps he will be reminded of how unpleasant it can be. Well, and to be 100% honest, I would um, rather do business with you than him. Well, of course, I'm perfectly charming. Just a delight. Absolutely. But, my dear, I will not be in San Francisco much longer. There are stirrings I must attend to. When you leave, if you um, want to send a message or whatever, I will make sure that Vera's place is taken care of. Unless you've taken care of that. I'm sorry, I did not mean to assume. No, this is Vera's place. She may deal with it as she chooses. Consider our mutual responsibility to each other at an end. And she stands up as if to signal the end of an audience. And I will uh, stand and uh, straighten my suit and uh, leave the premises. And then um, as I'm leaving, I'm going to call my realtor and um, have them make sure that we can secure Vera's place so that she has it if she ever comes to visit or anything like that. Wonderful idea. So, as all that's going on, let's have a look in on Marcus. What are the plans for this evening, if you have any? Well, I'm going to confirm the story that Edgar dropped off to me. I'll do so through a mundane uh, method, being the union office. Call them for an update, um, just to check on the case. So, you call the union office, Gloria answers the phone. And she quickly pulls up the San Francisco San Francisco Herald and a few other news sources and says, uh, oh, goodness, I uh, hadn't had time to look at the papers this evening, but those two uh, cops we talked about, well, um, one of them got attacked by a bear or something, it looks like. Yes, strange. No pictures, but... Says he appeared to be ta- attacked by a wild animal while out hiking. And uh, 
the other one, the one who's, who uh, maced the pregnant woman, um, it only says that his head was found somewhere in a tr- trash bin. Mm. That's um, it's terrible. I, I suppose I can close that file then, but goodness, I didn't know we got bears so <laughs> close into town. Oh, yes. Uh, it's interesting. Golden Gate Park has all sorts of wild animals running around. I, I know with the bison and everything, but, uh, well, I guess guess you really should be more careful when you're hiking alone. Yes, you should. You should be careful, too, just like all of us should be out in public. So I have a matter I'd like you to, perhaps, it's a, it's a union issue with a, a local coffee shop that's unionizing. I know it's not our bit, but I'd like to... I'd like to help out a fellow local if at all possible. I understand that this uh, coffee shop is having some trouble with the owners, preventing them from unionizing properly. You mean the Daily Grind chain? Yeah, I read about that. Page four. Ninth consecutive strike day. Who doesn't need a good cup of coffee, right? Right. What do you want me to do? Call uh, call those that union work. There's a, there's a guy there who's a little older. His name is Raul. I met him at a bar, a couple of friends. He uh, he said that there had been some trouble. I figured it's worth just looking into. You got it. One last thing. Uh, the cops that unfortunately are no longer with us, they were repped by the local police union, yeah? Most of them are. Do we have a, uh, a name on who their union representatives are? I assume it's it's public, right? Yeah, should be. Shouldn't be too hard to find. You want me to send a list over of just that branch of the union or all of them in San Francisco? All of them could be pretty tedious. Quite. Uh, Let's keep it narrow focus to SFPD and go from there. Include in that SFPD also the park cops as well. Okay. Uh, Yeah, I guess I should include them since they're the ones who found the body this morning. Uh, You got it. Anything else? That'll do it. And then... uh, I suppose the rest of the night is is ours. So you head downstairs, Marcus, and Jean is standing there in the hallway looking a little perplexed. Uh, she's wearing her normal quote-unquote uniform of a ratty band t-shirt and tight black jeans with a, a leather jacket over it and very bright blue lipstick and mascara. And she's just standing there looking and scratching her head slightly. Um, so I just heard from Esmeralda, there's a pigeon sitting outside the front door with an Mm -hmm. envelope in its beak, and it won't leave. And it squawks at Esmeralda whenever she tries to get near it. Well, I mean, she has to be nicer to Edgar. Edgar. Okay. So we know this pigeon. Assumably, we know this pigeon. Does it perturb you? Uh, well... I'm not used to birds hanging around. Usually the cats keep them away. Also, usually pigeons are easy to scare off. It's it's a little unsettling. I'll go take a look. The issue with the police officers that were involved with the macing of that pregnant woman? Yeah. It's no longer an issue. Oh, okay. So I can close that folder up. Okay. She just shakes her head and says, uh, I'll be at my desk if you need me with the bird. She just shakes her head and 
walks into the into the office space. You go out the several sets of doors and you see essentially Esmeralda having a stare off with Edgar. Edgar is perched on a bush just outside the door. He does have an envelope clutched in his beak, but he's got the he's sticking his head forward kind of antagonistically and his beady little eyes are staring right at Esmeralda and Esmeralda is staring right back and neither of them is breaking eye contact. I slowly creep up behind Esmeralda and say, which one of you blinks first? God damn it. Uh, Marcus, stupid Bert. This is Edgar. Edgar? Esmeralda. More importantly, he's with Oakland. Okay. I have something else for you to do, by the way. Okay. And she straightens up and she breaks eye contact with Edgar so she can look up at you. She's got her arms crossed, but you see she still occasionally turns her head and glares at Edgar and Edgar just glares right back. Flaps over and drops the envelope into your, uh, into your hand and then he goes back mm. to the back to the bush, just sits there staring as only a pigeon can. So it's come to my understanding that a, um, a certain member of Clan Tamir is uh, very, very interested in upsetting the apple cart here. And what they may be utilizing very soon is members of the San Francisco Police Department to do so. On or off duty, I'm not sure. But we need to be a little bit mindful of our police interactions in the future. I have noticed more patrols going around down here. We need to start tagging the cars or we need to start identifying officers and circulating the names and badge numbers of ones who make regular trips, especially around Coit Park, especially around the lower portions here of the wharf. Because the more they circulate, the more the same cars show up, car numbers, etc. The more the same officers show up, we can build a duty roster that is loyal to that witch, the Nazi one. She bears her fangs in a snarl. You know, they're mostly kind cops down here since you moved in, essentially. But I've noticed a couple of the others coming through in their cop cars. They don't get out of the car, but they're patrolling. First, I've only seen two. One of them's a Ventru, just in the car driving around be terrible if they had a flat really terrible I'm sure you can handle it assign some more people here to the front door in your absence and take care of it her eyes kind of light up got shit to do oh and um, Monica is planning on I think stopping down or calling at some point so if she does stop by do try to be nice we like her I am nice well I've got mail so I turn around and walk towards the bush and sort of like unfold the envelope. Esmeralda just sort of shakes her head at Edgar one more time and she marches off. You open up the note with your body turned towards Edgar and your back towards Esmeralda. And the note just says, Baron Voss would like to arrange a meeting when you have time. Things to discuss. Official things. Regards, Chief Amralahi. All right, I uh, fold up the note. And because what I need to say, I'm assuming... Well, actually, Edgar can't speak, likely. So I'll fold up the note into the half size. 
rather than the full envelope and just say basically just just say two words um, time ampersand place and then send it back with Edgar and Edgar flies off but not before flying over Esmeralda's head and leaving a message oh it's very difficult not to laugh I'm, I'm gonna just sort of half half chuckle and, and move back inside um, because speaking with the chief would be wonderful so you head back inside as Edgar flies away and you hear Esmeralda muttering to herself angrily, but she disappears and you head back indoors. So let's uh, have a look in on Monica for this evening as all of this is going on. So Monica, you got home and went to bed last night after your hangout with Olive and your meeting with Marcus You got home and got in bed before Chase got home. Chase didn't make it in until just before dawn. Hmm. Very late for him. He looks very tired. And he just said, let's talk tomorrow. And got in bed and went to sleep. You wake up in the evening. Chase wakes up a few minutes later. Do you say anything to him? What do you do? No, as much as that needs to be addressed, she's going to leave that ball in his court. Um, And respectfully, she knows that he's juggling a lot right now, so she's not going to press the issue if he's not there. She wouldn't mind having a conversation with him and about Marcus's offer. She's going to go about this very cautiously, almost like a cat that's doing like them. I'm going to go for your lap. We're going to see how you feel about it today. Uh, But she is just going to very slowly just crawl into his lap in one of her favorite positions where she's more or less just stretched out across his lap looking up at him. I think I'm going to decline. He nods slowly. That is your right, of course. You do what you need to do. Just remember favors. We've been given a home on very short notice and I would hate to take advantage. I know. And I asked. I clarified. I just don't know. If he starts with, if they start with San Francisco PD, where does it stop? Are they going to start? I hate to use the word targeting because I understand where he's coming from. But will the media be next? Politicians? Where, where does this... Where does this campaign end if it's beginning here? And is it me or is this just a really passive approach to dealing with the Nazi situation? Chase just kind of rubs his forehead a little bit and he looks down at you and says, you're kind of giving me mixed signals here, Monica. (laughs) Violence, not violence. I know. I know. I'm feeling mixed. I don't have to. It doesn't have to be clear. The words kind of catch in his throat for a moment and he just sort of slowly starts stroking your hairs. I know you have more personal experience with them, but I'm all in favor of punching Nazis through the skull, if necessary or possible. In my experience, in this country at least, many of those who carry the badge do so to hide the authoritarian the fascist within. That's why modern policing in this country was started. All I'm saying is, my dear, look into it first before you pass a judgment. 
your decision is your own. I will not go one way or the other. I will not try to force you, of course. Your decision is yours. You're your own person. And he bends down and kisses you on the forehead. All I ask is you do your research. Okay. I need to go talk to him. And she's going to just start slowly pulling herself off of his lap. Yes, you should. And she's getting ready to leave. And like, you know, the door is getting ready to shut and she stops and she's going to step back in and she's going to look him square in the face, three eyes on three eyes. Are you okay? Not about us. Not that. Just, are you okay? Yes. I am. I am fine. Just a lot going on. I'm remembering some of the bad old days. With everything that's going on, you wouldn't remember those before we came here, before I found you. It's not easy being us, being who we are. Peace is over, and I have to get used to that again. She'll throw him a very patient, very sympathetic smile. Uh, She will nod in deference, and then she'll shut the door. Monica is heading off on her way to meet with Marcus. Alex, where are you going after your meeting with Grandmother? I'm going to Elysium. Okay, you're going to Elysium. You head down to Elysium, and uh, you make a mental note to meet with Marcus later about those books and things that he mentioned before. You haven't heard from Rom tonight, so maybe he's still off on the boat somewhere. Who knows with Rom, now that he's got the boat, he's so hard to get in contact with. So you go down to Elysium and it's packed tonight. Unlike the previous night where it was a little bit quieter and there weren't as many people. It's loud. There's a lot of Toreador particularly in here, but you see there's also a number of of Tremere and there's actually a couple of Ventru in here just a bunch of vampires in here, including a whole group of Malkavians who are loudly uh, playing and dancing the polka in the middle of the dance floor. You go over to your reserved table in the back corner that Sebastian has put aside for you for whenever you deign to show up. And as you sit down, you see the man himself coming around a corner. He's wearing a very, very tightly cut suit tonight. It looks almost like it's been painted onto him. It's that tight. It looks very fashionable and elegant on him. It's this deep purple color. And uh, his hair is curly and oiled and glinting in the light. And he looks over and he raises both eyebrows in mock surprise. This is Alex Giovanni twice in two nights. What is the world coming to? Well, apparently there was a kerfuffle in town. So, Oh, I should have known you'd be here about that. Couldn't you just come to see me? Well, i all, that's the bonus. I, I, I will not be assuaged. And he puts one hand over his heart in mock hurt. But then he takes a seat across from me and says, Yes, there was a bit of a brouhaha the other night. And by the other night, I mean last night. I haven't had one like that in quite some time. Two young'uns. Children. <sighs> they should know better. That's what happens when you let the children out without their elders. They cause trouble. Yeah. Are, are they new to town or no? One of them was one of my own clan. He sniffs. 
Yes, should have known better that one, but um, he was saying something to the young Tremere about... um, He sniffs and looks disapprovingly at the floor. Something about a Nazi sympathizer? And um, the young Tremere just uh, pulled up a fist and uh, was about to engage in fisticuffs before we pulled them apart. But uh, it was quite a quite a moment. Everything went quiet. You could have heard pin drop. Alex probably has like the tiniest little smile. He tilts his head and looks at you and says, oh, now come on. You know something, don't you? Oh, I see that little smirk, Giovanni. Don't you go hiding this from me. Out with it. What is it the children say these days? Spill the tea? Well, is everybody talking about Nazi sympathizers now? What do you mean everybody? Well, I just find it interesting that one of your clan has heard something. Well, I spoke to the child in question, and he merely said that uh, he'd been told by one of his friends who had it from let's just say, a very specific... He inspects his nails. Um, Shall we say Prince Regent? I told him you can't go and act on second-hand information. Now, what what good is that? But, uh, well, it is very interesting. Oh, so he's telling people, huh? I don't know. All I know is, if he is, he's feeding it about into various places and seeing what happens. I, I think it's very interesting as well. I don't know anything about that. Don't you? He taps you playfully on the shoulder with a fan. Come, come. Out with it. Well, do you know who? No. The child only said that he'd heard that it was uh, someone in the Tremere clan. That's all we know. But you know, don't you? You've got that little smirk, the little glimmer in the eyes when you know something someone else doesn't know. Come on. I'm sorry, my work isn't free. You wound me. Besides, I promise you, it is going to be taken care of. So, and the person who is going to take care of it, I do not, do not step on their toes. But, come on, you must give me a hint. I wouldn't want them in my club. Elysium draws the line at Nazis. Well, then only accept the young. Well, I suppose you'd tell me if it was imminent danger. His eyes narrow. No, the person I spoke to, I trust, will take care of it. Is that the only reason you came here? Well, I heard there was a certain office building that had an issue. You see a slight quirk of of his mouth. (laughs) Oh, I couldn't possibly comment. Bad for business. Wouldn't want it getting around that I was uh, spreading around shit like that? Indeed. Yes, well, one doesn't like to turn up one's nose at the Prince Regent, but um, I hear one must these days. (laughs) Indeed. Uh, I I hear there might be evidence. Then he leans in, just kind of does this little elbow slide along the table. Oh, have you heard that? I have. Wouldn't that be a shame? It would be even even greater shame if it were to get out. It would, and I wonder what the price would be mm. to not have that happen. Yes, well, one can't put a price on one's dignity, now can one? Especially when one's mm. the acting prince. 
and doing a poor job, can I say? This city is gone feral. Oh, you mean the literal animals running around? Aside from that, but I mean, you've got almost a fight in here. Like, all these youngins can't be, you know, they're not scared enough to, you know, respect their elders. It seems like you don't know who to trust and who's doing what. Never trust anyone, dear Alex, not even oneself. That's my motto. Yes, but then I only have my own self to blame. And where's the fun in that? Hmm. You know, there's a few gaps in the Primogen Council that our beloved Esme never quite got around to filling lately. Hmm. And I hear there's a bit of a power struggle. Wanting to be named by the current prince regent before a new prince can come in and put in their own people. So they're all busy with the infighting. I don't have much truck in it. I much prefer running things here. One does get all the good gossip. I will tell you there will be an opening in a whip position soon. He taps his fingers. Delightful. Absolutely delightful. Those who get passed up as Primogen are probably going to fight for that. Yes, well, we'll see how that goes for them. It's the one I'm thinking of. I don't know who'd want to fill those shoes. And you see a very loud and rowdy group of vampires come in, all dressed in leather. Just come in through the door, and they're talking and yelling and just making all sorts of noise and uh, they all have biker jackets that say Oakland Bears on the back uh, and they all look at, at Sebastian and go, Sebastian! And all of them cheer and he says, my uh, fans await, darling. Good to see you. Don't be a stranger. Oh, I won't be. And a couple of the Oakland Bears just pick him up and put him on their shoulders and they all just start going off upstairs as a group. So we'll leave you in Elysium with all of the children and Sebastian <laughs> off having some fun with some bears and uh, have a look in back at Fort Knox, so to speak. So Marcus, you sent, you sent off the message with Edgar and you get a message on your phone, a text message shortly after about 45 minutes or so after saying your place 1045 uh, you've got that set up now and you have some some time before Mariam comes to meet you're not sure perhaps exactly what she's coming about but uh, nice that she sent a formal request instead of just showing up like she tends to do well I mean I, I would have taken both obviously but um but yeah, always nice when people are going to let us know when they're dropping by. I will subsequently let the front door folks know that, you know, a member of um, Clan Gangrel will be arriving at some point between, you know, 1030 and 11. And we're, of course, to make sure that we are paying attention to their arrival. I don't tell them who. Mm -hmm. I just tell them that someone is coming that they'll need to let in. One of the guards on the door comes in, pokes in his head and says, uh young woman by the name of Monica West says she's here to see you. So, Monica, you've arrived at Fort Knox. Oh, Fort Knox. 
Yeah, and I, I'm probably waiting not too far inside that first door. Oh, good evening. Are you on your way out? No, I just figured it'd be nicer to meet you um, between the airlocks. I remember coming through these airlocks the first time a couple months ago. Wow. Um, hey, I just, I had this planned out in the car and then I completely lost it because you're here like three doors prior to when I was expecting you to be. Um, I spoke with Chase about your offer. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for not only that opportunity, but trusting me uh, with official business um, in your kingdom. That actually means a lot. I just want you to know um, that I appreciate it. But hey, um, was this us? And then she's going to hold out her cell phone with the article about the cop that was mauled by a grizzly bear. No. That wasn't sanctioned by us. This wasn't done on your authority. No, I asked some associates to track them to figure out what was going on. They didn't sanction any hits. Not a mob boss. Okay. And she's going to pull her uh, phone back and she's going to stare at that article for a moment. Marcus, it's... First and foremost, I express my concerns about agreeing to this particular task to Chase and he advised me... Um, to not pass judgment, which I give you my word, I'm not doing. Uh, he also told me that I should investigate further into the situation. And your word is the extent of this investigation that I'm willing to do. If you say this wasn't sanctioned by you, I believe you and I trust you. However, if I am going to commit to any job, any person, any task, any kingdom, I need to be able to do it without reservation and without doubt. And I have reservations and I have doubts about this particular item that you're asking of me. So I am politely declining. I'm politely declining. Okay. If I can't give you 100%, I don't want to start down that path. And right now, I don't think I could give you 100%. Well, we'll figure out the uh, solution to the problem one way or the other. I know. I sort of stand up a little straighter. That's it then? Yes, that is that is it. Okay. I hope you and Chase have a wonderful night. You do the same, Marcus. And she's going to turn around and head out. She's half tempted to turn around and say something else to him, but she's going to let that one go, too. She's biting back a lot this evening. I stand there and wait till the door shuts. And then I head back inside and wait until the next meeting. Yeah, you, you're a very busy vampire, Marcus, with all the meetings and things that you have on your plate. All work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Might have to have some fun later. You spend a little bit of time doing some paperwork with Jean. She's got some forms for you to sign. Perhaps you didn't realize just how much paperwork you'd be doing once you're in charge of a barony. Mm. Uh, but she seems very happy to be surrounded by so much bureaucracy. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's part and parcel to her job is to have some sort of constructive portions, right? Jean, I need House Lissambra to be 100% committed to what comes next. She tilts her head. And I'm not questioning your loyalty at all. Mm -hmm. But I don't know all of the people within that house as personally as you do. They follow where I lead. We're family. And I'm the head of the family. We've been together for years. I make... The major decisions. And if I say this is what we need to do, they'll do it. It's how we work. I look forward to part two. It's going to be quite something. There is 
Something a little odd, though. Something else not related to this, I don't think. But something I've picked up that I've been that I needed to talk to you about. Uh, and she pulls out a sheet of paper out of a folder. Says, uh, "There's Calvary Baptist Church. Do you know that one? The really, really crazy right wing one." Yeah. All right. Well, their pastor, and she hands you the piece of paper, and you can see it's got a picture of a of a man in a dark suit with a uh, with a red tie. He's leaning over a pulpit, waving a Bible. It's Pastor Easton. He's got a radio show. You know, he normally does the kind of stuff that that we don't really pay all that much attention to, but, you know, God hates queers and burn in hell and picketing lesbian weddings and things like that. You know, the crank stuff. But I don't know if you remember Malarkey, one of the the younger ones in the house. He listens to occasional radio shows when he's taking care of the cats and things just to get an idea of what's going on. And he... Last night he heard the name Marcus being said by this guy. And so he just heard this Marcus. And so he turned tuned in thinking it was just a coincidence. But he's railing about a satanic cult in San Francisco being led by whatever Marcus he's talking about. And we... Malarkey didn't hear a whole name, but he mentioned the docs, he mentioned occults and all of these things, and well, all the pieces together, it, it it kind of set off a little alarm bell in Malarkey's brain, what brain he has. So I know we're not supposed to use the internet, but I need to find someone I can put on looking at the website and listening to the radio and and so on to to see if there's any more, because this this group th- these kind of people you know Westboro like they're that they're like that and they're dangerous, they can be. It makes me very uncomfortable. All right, I think we've been pretty clear about maintaining rule one. Yes. Absolutely. And that includes the internet. No one is immune completely to the will of the people. And what I have noticed about any sort of religious zealot is the projection is usually at an all-time high. Every single one of these, what, since probably the middle of last century, every single one of these folks in the right wing and in the religious zealot era, they all point to the quote-unquote evils of society while having the same shit go on in their backyard. And my guess is Pastor Easton has a deep backyard. And all we have to do is dig it up. I can put some people on, on digging. I just, we don't have ghouls in the house. So if you have some you can trust or some humans you know you can put on it or something, because... She frowns a little bit, says that's probably one loop I should fill in, I guess, with my job. I don't have any humans to do the kind of computer work for me. Esme usually had or had their other Nosferatu buddies on it, but I don't have that access anymore, so I'm, I'm going to need some resources there. 
since I can't do it myself. Well, I mean, that's not to say that we don't have potential resources to utilize. It just means that we have to decide to utilize them and understand that they come at a price. I'll, I'll begin working on it. For now, have them keep listening. See if there's a radio broadcast they can find at a terrestrial station. If they can't, all night internet cafe, somewhere we can potentially scrub a little bit of the network traffic that goes on. That way it's not a one-to-one, you know what I mean? Got it. It needs to be sparingly. And they need to understand that at the slightest concern about a hunter or an armed kind or a fucking Jamocha shake that gets tipped over, they need to leave. I'll put malarkey on it. He's got good ears. She picks up her folders and goes back to her desk. So as she goes back to her desk, there's another knock on the door and Fred pokes his head in and says, uh, steady stream of visitors for you tonight, apparently, boss. But uh, there's a... Mariam Amrullahi is here uh, and he comes back in personally escorting Mariam and her dark eyes are sort of twinkling at you from under uh, under her, her hijab this impressive security you've got around here it's obviously since we're so close to the Prince Regent we need to be careful too enclosed for my liking but you do you well since we've hammered out a few leadership issues over in Gangrel, and since you're setting things up a little bit more permanently, let's say, with boundaries and all of that, I was thinking it might be a good idea for me to have a representative on your side. I'd like to send uh, one of my people over as a resident of your territory, he can do some liaising, but uh, also work on behalf of Clan Gangrel in your territory. Makes it much less formal, much less necessary to have meetings all the time. So boring. You are welcome, of course, to also have a representative on my side of the bay, if you would like. Not required. Certainly. But if you would like to. We can work out the details of how to set them up, but uh, this is an official invitation to establish uh, an ambassador of sorts in the Oakland Gangrel Territory. An invitation we will happily accept, Mm. and we appreciate. Yes. It's getting a little bit easier to manage things now that the leadership battle's over. She smiles, flashes a bit of fang. Not that there was much of a fight. I don't imagine so at all. Gangrel like to have a little bit of a fight to be in charge of things. And then once someone takes control, they happily fall into line. Pack mentality does that. It's useful. Very useful. And she reaches into her pocket. She pulls out a card and hands it to you. Um, I will be sending my representative to you. Sylvester Levoilette. Hopefully they don't mind being called Sylvester. Well, you can ask him when he shows up. He's uh, a bit of an odd fellow, but we've worked together for years. He's reliable. Just... It's very important. Quirky. She smiles. And Canadian. I hope that's not a problem. (laughs) It's not, but a quirky vampire in San Francisco? You must be kidding. 
there was a report that came out earlier tonight about a um, bear attack. Oh, was there? I had no idea. Yes. I think it might be within everyone's interest if we um, double check the current um, San Francisco zoo population just to make sure that everyone's um, animal tendencies can be reasonably spoke of. Hmm. Yes. Well, you know there's bears in San Francisco. You're friends with some of them. Yeah. Fuzzy. I am friends with some of them, yes. Uh, This is a much different kind of bear. One that um, dealt with some very nasty, nasty people. But um, a little unexpected. Well, if a bear were to happen upon uh, someone in the park who was camping out, let's say, and happened to have removed their shirt and seen an iron cross tattoo on their back shoulder, well, the bear could perhaps be forgiven for ripping them to pieces. I have no argument with with the outcome. I simply want to make certain that we are not traced back to. Yes, well, after all the issues with the bison back in November, uh, it's not going to be that much of a surprise to San Francisco in general, but I'll make sure there's no more bear attacks for now. As for the other one, you might want to talk to your friend Jane about that one. Oh, well, I had always figured that Jane was a little bit of a revolutionary. Just a tad. She has... uh, Helped my child immensely. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for the introduction. Oh, of course. Happy to. Happy to. This representative for for the barony, what do you think that they might need to be successful in Oakland? Someone more along the lines of, uh, what did you use? The word you used? Revolutionary? Less uptight. No... Former Camarilla bootlickers. <laughs> we don't like bootlickers, that's for certain. Okay, fair enough. No Malkavians, please. They tend to mess with our sleep. No, I think that um, for the most part, most of the Malkavians I know are already busy doing other things. Not that I know what they're doing, which is always a concern, but I, I, I don't think that um, Captain Rom would be uh, a, a proper representative. Although I do have a few ideas already. I think perhaps they should have some connection to the human world, whoever you send. It would be advantageous for you and for us to have someone there who's more connected to the kind world, especially if you're dealing with kind issues over here. The Oakland Bruja and of course us gangrel, we tend not to mix with the mortals very much unless they're doing damage understood I'll happily seek out the proper representative for the barony and then have them make contact with you in a um, formal way and I will send Sylvester he'll well you'll know him when you see him I'll just say that I have no doubt well it's been nice having a formal meeting so to speak. And she looks over at Jean and nods, says, Harold? Jean nods back. Chief? 
Was there anything else you'd like to discuss before I get away from these walls? I'm looking into finding a way to get into the pockets of the the city park system itself. I'd like to find inroads for Clan Gangrel into those parks. And in in return, be able to return some of those green spaces to the proper clan that they should be protected by. Yes, the parks do tend to suffer when we're not there. Silly humans. We must train them properly. So when I know more, um, I may ask for a few of your numbers to filter into those parks and just do some basic scouting. We're, uh, we're not done rooting out the um, iron crosses amongst San Francisco's police department either. No, I would assume not. There tend to be quite a few of them. Very well. We shall be in touch. And so that is where we will leave our vampires this evening, with more things in motion, plots and plans, and we'll see what happens next time. Thank you, and good night. <laughs>